Welcome to the Old Man Orange Podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. And we get to go super fucking Resident Evil so much so that I'm going to do... Remember the old-fashioned show and tell on the podcast? It felt like something that we used to do every once in a while, but it's been a while, I would say. Well, it'd be like, I guess so it's easier when you're in person, because you're doing it my place or your place. Like, oh, dude, is that a new, like, Resident Evil action figure? Is that a new Batman action? I see you got... Is that Jill Valentine you have there? So this is the Jill Valentine that came with the Resident Evil 3 Super Special Rape Edition. Mm. The, bo- the Rape bo- Edition. The, the, the rape edition it's it's so big it's gone beyond special edition to rape edition you know what i mean that doesn't mean you get like a blow-up doll of jill or a blow-up doll of carlos maybe a blow-up doll of Wester. nemesis <laughs> yeah you never know well i was trying to make it feel more i guess like resident evil 3 but um, i actually i don't remember which is wesker only in the first one by this point uh well i'm trying to think he there's not maybe there's a mention of him in number three but not as much but um oh, okay but it was like literally like i had to go like of course, I had to go to, like, GameStop and, like, because that's the only place you could get this one at, and I just wanted to one-up RJ. That, that was really the whole point of all this, was the one-up RJ. Keep that in mind. There's some things in life. <laughs> and, um... Some blood feuds never die. It's just a weird thing where you have to go to, like, GameStop. It's like, hey, like, you call this fucking number, like, the thing, it's like, like, yo, I'm out here. Where's my fucking pre-order? I mean, you're, you're nicer than that on there, but it's just kind of weird thing. Like, you're at the speakeasy, and then they have to, like, show up, and then they're like see some id and you like whip out your fucking id let's see some fucking plastic whip out your credit card You're like i'll be right back you're still standing don't fucking go there. anywhere <laughs> stand outside there just like looking around you know what i mean somebody looks like hey what the fuck what are you looking at huh police officer passed by you They're like yeah you keep on rolling <laughs> and then all of a sudden this lady comes out with this box that's like freaking ginormous just this massive thing be like here Take this gun safe with you. <laughs> we might need it for the upcoming apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it was. It's like, it's a big old box. If you take off the, you know, it's got the Resident Evil kind of like PlayStation logo or whatever on the front. You unslide it, and then it's almost like, it, it's cardboard. I wish it was like wooden. It would be so fucking cool if it was wooden, because this is like something you would have to the day put you... Put it up another 40 bucks at least. Yeah. You, you'd have this to like the day you died if it was wooden. You'd be fucking like... When you when you go when you're being buried, you'd be like, bury me with my Resident Evil fucking like RPD case. <laughs> it lo- I'm just oh, go ahead. I mean, it's like the size of a child coffin. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's like it's good. Like, well, look, not that I'm planning for the kid to die. I'm just saying, if he does, we can save us ourselves eight hundred bucks. Look at it. It's a pretty sweet one too. Now, too bad it's not wooden, but it's it's a cardboard one. So you get that, and then you you know you take it off and the stuff, and then you got the game there, and then there's a cool like map of Raccoon City, just in case you ever happen to be there in real life. <laughs> you cut this. Well, that was that thing back when you had a big like. I remember you get like a big Resident Evil game, not Resident Evil. I don't know why I said that. Um, probably that too. But you get like maybe a uh, like a Grand Theft Auto game or Red Dead Redemption. Like, oh, you get a whole map of the entire game. Like, oh, I'll put that in my wallet. That's gonna look cool. Like now it's like, eh, whatever. Well, I will, when you're I will kid, say though, those maps in Grand Theft Auto were always kind of nice though, because that was at the time period where like, yeah, you could press start to go to your map. But I mean, like, if you had that on your wall, you just look over and be like, okay, cool, I know where I need to go. Because. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it had like all like had you had the little mini map and so on there, but um, but yeah. But it, it, it's funny you say that about. I'm surprised that right now with all the stuff going on that 
GameStop is still even open. I guess they're probably taking online orders or whatever, and people just one person at a time come in and pick the thing up. I'm guessing is how it works. Well, I know there's a lot of stores out there now that kind of do the, the I call it the speakeasy treatment, where you stand outside like a fucking hooligan, like like pretty much like you feel like you're you know back in the day where they're like your kind's not allowed here, but I will still sell to you anyways, just you can't come in. Well, it almost sounds like that's kind of how whenever GameStop would do a midnight release, especially our GameStop in Sonora, it would be like, it was always some like scrawny ass kid in his late teens, early 20s who got to manage the door. And this is the first time he got just a little bit of power. He's like, okay, you all want to get the new like Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword? Take a step back. Form a line, have your credit card, and pre-order number ready. One person in at a time. We do this, do it now. One game per person. You know, just like, oh man, this guy, this has to be the greatest day of this motherfucker's life right now. <laughs> right, I guess it, gets that, it feels like those kind of guys have disappeared and they've been replaced by like manager-like women. And, well, uh, I feel like that guy probably like, he's like, oh yeah. That was good. That was good. Then all of a sudden he has to face talk to his boss and they're just like, she's like, no, that's not how we taught it. But I did everything you told me to do. Wasn't good enough, Billy. Get back in the box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something like We're that. We're sending you back like... east. We're sending you back east. That's a GameStop school. It's where you fucking belong. You know, you, you didn't learn it right the first time. Oh, well, yeah, well, okay, so I'm, I'm out there, whatnot, the speakeasy style and whatnot, like that thing where it's like, they don't want to allow me, it's like, there, there was like this episode of Picard, where I was watching, <laughs> and there was this, he's on this planet, and then it's like, apparently it all went to shit, because Picard left 14 years ago and didn't show back up to come fix it like he said he was, but he's like, fuck it, I had a vineyard, whatever, whatever, there's like this, <laughs> he's like, you he's get like, it, right? <laughs> he's like 90 fucking years old, and there's a sign that says like, Romulans only in there, Picard just takes the fucking sign, throws it on the ground, just struts himself into this bar and sits down, just like... <laughs> What, you gonna mess with a 90-year-old man from fucking Earth? No, you fucking aren't. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I almost feel I should just do it like these GameStops or Staples and all these other places that want to have this outdoor service. Be like, whoa, 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 sir, 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 no no customers allowed in here. We got prop customers nowadays? Oh, I see how it fucking is. <laughs> you let you that guy sit this- there? He's an employee. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel more of a kinship with Picard now because of the baldness? I do. I feel like Picard. I keep looking at him like, man, I, that's how I feel like I fucking look. Everybody's looking at me like, who's that fucking old guy strutting himself in there, sitting where it says employees only? <laughs> who's going to tell him no by this point? He's already there. Exactly. But whatever. I, they, they hand me that giant box or whatever, and you kind of take it out. It's just weird how it sort of kind of is, like all these stores. I mean, like, it works. But it's weird, you know what I mean? Like, it feels kind of impractical. Like, I feel like there's a better way you could probably go about it. Like, you know, just having, like, a limited amount of people inside a building. But, uh, I guess whatever. It it just feels like you're buying out of, like, somebody's fucking garage and you just don't want the police to see you. (laughs) Like, you're not paying sales tax or something. You have someone that go with you, they stop, like, who the fuck is this? Like, oh, yeah, this is my friend. You said you were coming alone. What the fuck are they doing here? They wait outside. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be like that so, long scene in Boogie Nights where it goes on for like 25 minutes where like they're making that drug deal and then it all kind of goes to shit after about four songs later. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. Got that big old fat Resident Evil box set. Uh, it's kind of cool. Got that cool Jill Valentine action figure. You know, 
That's always how those things kind of are. They're always like, it's kind of cool. It's not like amazingly cool. It felt like they were way cooler. When you didn't have to pay extra for them, it felt like they were cooler. Isn't that weird? Yeah, well, it also... I want to say that I remember getting, oh, if you pre-order, you get the special bonus thing. What comes? What's the difference? Well, it comes in a sleeve. It comes with this little bitch-ass art book. Like a small, little flimsy-ass art book that you're going to lose in a, in a junk drawer someday. And then maybe, like, oh, look, a, a bookmark or, like, a button or some shit like that. That's about it, you know? Then you have, you have the ones where they go all out of their way, where it's like, this thing is $300, and it comes with an energy drink refrigerator. But, you know... But then you get the other ones where it's just like, it's either too much or too little. I very rarely see that happy medium. Always mm-hmm. too much or too little. Uh, I know that the good ones, that happy medium's out there, but none, none of it's popping in my head right now. But whatever. Yeah, I remember, because like, one of the, the ones that I remember being like, oh, that was actually pretty much worth it was, I remember the Sonic Mania one. I felt like, because that was only like 40 bucks or something like that, or 45 bucks, and it was like, oh, you got like, not only the game, you got the fucking the giant Sonic the Hedgehog statue where you stand on the Sega Genesis, like going up saying Hedgehog Power, and it came with like a couple other like weird little things I can't think of off the top of my head right now. Like there's like a cartridge you got for some weird reason that I don't know why, but you you have it. <laughs> that rings that you can't, they're just there. Yeah, so I mean, that one just felt like you got a lot for what it was, because it was only like 20 bucks more than like the game. Yeah, that's not bad. That makes sense. You know, and, um... Yeah, there's been some cool ones, but for the most part, yeah. This one is just more of those ones, like, a giant Jill Valentine action figure. Okay, cool. You don't really get Jill Valentine merchandise very often. There's probably all of, like, maybe four figures ever made of her in, like, the entire, like, 25 years of Resident Evil or whatever it's been. Which surprises me, because I know that she's a fan favorite. You know, so it's... You just don't have that... There's something else I was so, going to say tied into that, but I just totally spaced out on it. Don't remember what it was. Well, whatever. You know how the, you know how it is being an old man on the Old Man Orange podcast. You just start telling stories about people that nobody else seems to know, but you mention them by their full name. That's the dad thing. That's the very much the dad thing. Well, me and Danny Sullivan down from, like, Rupert Street would go on down. Like, all right, I don't, I don't know who Danny Sullivan is, but okay. You know what's the weird thing is that used to be the grandpa thing, and now it's become the dad thing. I mean, I know that, like, our, our parents really, I keep always forgetting, like, like our parents are spry young people. Like, oh, no, they are grandparents' age now. I keep they from, are grandparents <laughs> now, yeah. My, my parents literally are grandparents by this point. So, yeah. so it's, it's that kind of weird thing. But, um, but, yeah, speaking of all good things Resident Evil, we decided we were going to do the Resident Evil 1998 big old fat comic series from, like, Wildstorm. You know, the Jim Lee Company, all issues one through five at that time period where it's just you have that old like really it's like everybody in that Wildstorm Company is just like I feel like Jim Lee is like clone children or something because they all like draw about <laughs> they, all the artwork in there. If you would have told me that was probably Jim Lee the whole way through, I'd be like, OK, I believe you. I mean, it's, uh, a, it's no, got different coloring, did, but like artwork wise, it's close. There are some that have I can see Jim Lee inspired like that very image as inspiration like Jim Lee. I think Rob Liefeld, that kind... Not that Rob Liefeld drew in this. I don't think he did, at least. But, like, a lot of that kind of inspiration. There's some things in there that I could tell. Like, they're, they're one of the main covers is Jim Lee. And some things, like, that could possibly be Jim Lee. But most of it, I, I could tell wasn't him. But I could tell it was from that era. And I'll say, if anything, before we go too deep into it, at least all the artwork's really good. Um, I guess... Let me get this part out of the way before we go into actual spoilers for this thing. I think this book series, this comic book series, means a lot more if you're a Resident Evil fan. And I'm kind of a lukewarm fan with Resident Evil. Not that I dislike it, 
I just never really got into it. I never really played it a whole lot. The only time I played it was I had Resident Evil 4 for the GameCube, and then I would play co-op on 5 and 6 at your house, and then you and I'd hear you and Cisco always and RJ always talk about the previous Resident Evil games, so I'd kind of get filled in here and there, so I know of characters, I know of certain events and things. So, for me, going into this comic, I'll say this, it didn't really... I didn't hate it or anything, but it didn't really really jump out to me. It didn't really blow me away. But you, as a Resident Evil fan, what do you think of this series? See, that series, I think it is that one where, like, as a Resident Evil fan, you're like, oh my god, this is just so fucking cool. But I think it's that kind of thing of just seeing it just kind of in the artwork and just all the little extra details to it because that's kind of how it is is it adds just kind of like extra pieces especially back in the day like when you think about like when you know the games it's like this comic's really only based off of resident evil one and two you don't have anything else yet you don't have three you don't have any of the spinoffs you know it's all just those two ones and those kind of stories alone and even like the like the novels, I think were coming out like around the same time this was too. So realistically, you know, unless you read those like at the same time, you didn't have that either. So it kind of was just, especially at that time period, would have added a lot more. And you know, the first couple I, like kind of like parts of it because everything's kind of done in, like I guess you would say like a multi-part one. It's like each issue has They're anthologies, like, yeah, yeah, like three or four, and it kind of adds to it. You know, in the you know the very beginning, it's just kind of literally just telling you like, hey, here's all the stars members. You know what I mean? Just each one down the line, and just kind of like Wesker explaining how the mission's going to go, filled with big fat splash pages. Well, of, like, here's a question I have for you. Oh, sorry, the audio. Go ahead. Sorry, the audio cut out for a second. Um, yeah, my, my question was some of the because the first two stories in this are literally just retellings, or what I'm assuming is just the plot breakdown of the first game. So I, I read through this first thing. And we, we covered the um, the unproduced script. So I'm like, okay, okay. So this is going playing through the first game right here. Maybe the first two games or something. And then that's what all the first two are. I was like, oh, this is just moving along. This is just chugging. Okay, cool. Let's get this going. Like, oh, oh, that was it? And then I realized, oh, these are anthology stories. That's what these are. And this one, I think, was just the first two are just getting people caught up on what happened in the previous games. And from there, you're either getting a... Um, you're either getting a like a side story, a side story like it with a story within the world of Resident Evil that maybe ties in or doesn't tie in, but just in that world, or you're getting, I guess, maybe an expansion on certain characters or what this character is doing on their day off. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You kind of get all these kind of little little different tidbits and so on. And yeah, it's after kind of Wesker does that thing where he explains all like, you know, your main stars members and so on. Then it's got kind of a neat one where it's like, there's this letter where like John's pretty much writing it to like Ada. So it's like, that's like one of those ones, I guess kind of like a lot of these things, I guess are sort of like deep cuts. If you're like a Resident Evil fan, if you're probably not, you're just like, who's this fucking old man writing a fucking letter in a science lab. There's in the second story, Wesker is skewered and he's killed right here. Does that happen in the game and you think he's dead, but then he comes back later or something? Yeah, because he gets, like, stabbed by, like, Tyrant, and then he pretty much injects himself with the T-Virus, and then he comes back. But it ex- oh, explains okay. that, I think, in Code Veronica, I almost want to say, or, like, the Wesker Report, or something like that. But, um, and, yeah, the oh, first okay. game, it's like, you would just assume when you finished it, you're like, oh, he's fucking dead, that's what he gets for betraying me, fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so through that, and it just kind of, the first two stories just follow through the uh, events of the game. And then from there, it just jumps on to, like, 
like different like I want I don't know if the whole Ada thing it shows like a dude chilling at home watching the news and he's I don't remember who he is but he's somebody and he just wanders out in the house and he's and like Ada Ada almost hits him with the car and from there she's like what the fuck and she goes and sees her boyfriend and you get this badass shot of uh, Chris uh, Chris of uh, Leon firing two guns at the same time all Neo style I love how, like, like in this one, too, they make it like Leon, because instead of being like, Leon, he's rookie cop. He's on his first day of the job. Oh, guess what that first day happens to be? Like, <laughs> Raccoon City's falling apart. Like, this one, it's like, they, they make a mention in there where it's like, oh, yeah, we're sending in. He's he's a new Stars guy, but he's fucking super trained already. His name's Leon S. Kennedy. He's got two guns in his hand and two dicks in the other. What? <laughs> don't question it <laughs> don't question it rent's expensive out here in raccoon city well it's about to get a lot less cheap it's about to get a lot cheaper i'll tell you but you know but yeah so they have that and then you know you yeah they got like where Ada's coming in she's looking for john which ties in that like second little like tidbit story they have where that guy's writing pretty much that letter and he's like the scientist who's like slowly turning into a zombie yeah from here i'm guessing because there's the whole part where chris and i think claire meet for the first time and a lot of this stuff is, I'm assuming, just reenactments from the game, or maybe expansions from the game. You can tell me. Where they, they come across a guy in a jail cell, and he's not talking shit, or he's talking shit to them or whatever, then all of a sudden a liquor comes down and fucks him up. Yeah, well, it's kind of like that. The first book sort of has, like, it, it kind of like t- kind of tells the story quick, because it's almost done, like, where, like, they're kind of talking back and forth and so on. But it still is, like, adding the stuff around there. Like, when you get to that second book, it literally is, like, just Resident Evil, like, done in, like, almost like an anime, like, catch-up. Like, last time on Resident Evil! And just super yeah. speeds through. Almost like the that Digimon movie where it's like, hey, these are me and the Digimon friends. Let me tell you all about the Digimon world. Hello, parents. How are you guys doing? Well, you should better sit back right now because it's going to be like Star Tours, but not like Star Tours because we're getting ready for Digimon. You're like, oh, what the fuck is going on, Billy? <laughs> Billy. <laughs> this is worse than the Pokemon Island. What'd you take me to? What'd you take me to, you little bastard? Dad starts having an anxiety attack, has a heart attack right there in the movie. Henry, His la- stop strangling the, last the things child. he hears, <laughs> The last things he hears is, like, all these little Digimon characters laughing while uh, Digi- Smash Mouth's... Digital pl- Monsters. Well, <laughs> that or, or, Sm- or a Smash Mouth or Bare Naked Lady song plays. Yeah, exactly. One of those ones. But, like, that's how it sort of feels. Friend, it's like, awake since you're loving me, whatever. Because there is just that one, I think it starts off the first of the second book, and it's just, it literally is just Resident Evil 2, like, in super speed mode. Like, almost like uh, if you just kind of, like, cut out all the in-between action and so on, just went straight for all, like, the cutscenes. And I, I guess that's just there to sort of, like, kind of catch you up. I mean, I like how, for the most part, most of this book is not really necessarily just that, like, straight kind of, like, adaptation. Not that that's a bad thing, but that's always, like, how a lot of times, like, comics sort of were, like, when they did those of, like, movies and so on. It's, like, it's kind of like, here's the adaptation, you know, pretty much about the same thing, maybe just a hat, tad bit different, but for the most part, which you always kind of forget about those sort of things. Like, in hindsight, those things always seem kind of weird. It's like, oh, I just have the adaptation of Jurassic Park. Well, I have the movie, so what's kind of the point of this? But you almost forget those books would have came out when you had to wait like a fucking year for like a VHS. So that would almost be like, Oh shit. It's like having the movie, but it's just in reading form instead <laughs> until I, until I can have it on VHS when it comes out. Well, it's funny because by the time I'm assuming it's resident evil Two, is it? Maybe it's maybe you could correct me, but when it's focusing on, um, Leon and Claire and they're in the police station after that one liquor kills the guy, they run into the chief's room and there's this panel of the chief, and he has, like, this bloody dead lady on, like, his desk, and he's just sitting there. 
And it has this look of like, I mean, chances are she was a zombie and he just killed her or whatever. But it just has this total like, oh, fuck, he just walked into me having dinner. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Well, that chief is like, you find like a letter in like Resident Evil 2 and that guy's like, pretty much he's like, oh, fucking glad this thing kind of happened. I've been working for, you know, like um, Umbrella or whatnot. And he's just literally like, I can go around now when they're turning to zombies. I can shoot my fucking employees that I'll fucking hate. You know what I mean? I got, and that right there, that's the mayor's daughter that he's got there and everything. And he's just like a creepster and just a murderer and just, yeah, just like a total terrible guy. It doesn't really explain in the comics just because the comics go in like super speed. No. But he does say something like, well, Umbrella had me underpaid from the whole time. Like, I'll say this the bad guys in this are very, and I'm, this isn't me looking to be too, like, complaining too much or anything like that. But the bad guys in this are very much like, uh, almost kind of like G.I. Joe villains, sort of. <laughs> well, it's like, even like in the remake of Resident Evil 2, they have a part where, like, it's kind of a dumb part because it's one of those, it's it's something I generally hate in video games, but it's, it's so short that you kind of almost let it go by. But, like, you're Sherry as, like, a little girl, and you have to, like, try to squeeze by. It's like, the police chief's like, where are you at, Sherry? Oh, Where this guy, this guy who yeah. dies. And he's like, you know, it's it's one of those dumb ones where it's like, okay, you hide behind it's the a boss. stealth mission, kind of. He goes by. Yeah, but you just have to follow, like, a path. And those things, I, I, I fucking hate those in video games. I mean, that part, once again. They part, drag. It's so short that it's okay. It's like, it's those games that, like, when, the, when those happen a lot, it's like, I'll pretty much turn it off and be like, nope, new game. Is like, it kind of like the opening of, like, Metal Gear Solid Five? Like, when you first play, it's cool, then kind of goes on, like, all right, this is going on for a while. Maybe. Well, it's, it's not that long. Well, it's more of like you have to do the same exact thing. You have to you have a very... There's not very many different things or ways to get out of it. You just have to follow, like, um, Big Boss out of there and do exactly what he does and then get out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's kind of how this one is. It's one of those ones where you go and it's like, oh, I guess not hide here. Restart the whole fucking thing. And then... And I think it's just always because it's that... I think I think about, like, those kind of, like, like force stealth missions is that it's it's just there's so much like downtime i guess because it's just like okay i'm back behind the suitcase wait 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 okay now i run behind the table wait 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 you know what i mean which mm-hmm. is like if i was that little girl i'd just go up there and fucking just strangle him with my little girl fucking hands <laughs> i know his neck is fucking like the size of my entire body but still just stab him and then sneak up behind him stab him behind the knee and then yeah, slit his throat. There you go. Because you're like in like, for some reason, you're in like a nursery or something like when he's chasing you around. Like, where so are it's you, something Sherry? They added in the game. There's some... Yeah, it's, it's not... That makes it extra creepy, I guess. It's, it's not in Resident Evil 2. Because Resident Evil 2 is like perfect. Where Resident Evil 2, the remake's like... It's good, but it's not like... I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a perfect game. It's not like the Resident Evil 1 remake. Let me just say that. Um. So where this continues on... I guess I'll say this. The first story that kind of jumped out to me that I found interesting was the zookeeper guy he's just a regular guy who's managing a zoo and a lot of these single standalone stories you like them but they always they always like end a little sadly which kind of assumed they would but like it's about a zookeeper and t-virus breaks out and he kind of goes a lot out of his way killing all these infected animals like i want to say like i don't know if it's tyrant or something else but the thing with the eyeball on its shoulder is killing some tigers and infects a bunch of other animals and he just barely survives and it's just like this almost kind of like well i mean i almost said night of living dead but yeah pretty much resident evil it's zombie so it makes sense but more animal based and i just thought that in itself was interesting and you see the way the guy just kind of like you know just straps up kills as many of these things as he can and then he thinks he made it out he's like okay 
I'm just gonna fall asleep now because he's just tired. Even, but you know, he he thinks he saved the day. But then there's like a stupid little gopher or something that sneaks up behind him. Like, oh, you missed one, asshole. I really think this story, it's literally probably only like maybe like six or eight pages long. I think this is the number one takeaway story of this entire book. Because when I first saw this one, I was like, oh my God, this right here would make for the most amazing fucking Resident Evil game. Because it's almost one of those ones, if you would just start it off, like especially if it was done like in, in like the Resident Evil like one through three type style. And like, it's that kind of thing where y- your character gets a call being like, oh, the zoo's infected. You gotta take them all out. Like, that's almost like the mission. And almost, I always think, if you made the game, like, the parameters were, was that, like, you had to eliminate all the animals in the zoo. And, you know, you could explore this whole zoo and so on, and you'd have puzzles and so on along the way. But the thing would be is that, like, you could take on any of these animals whenever at any moment whenever you felt like it, but it's almost like, well, I'm not gonna go challenge the tiger when all I have is a pistol yet. You know, and maybe I'd want to set traps and so on. I'm like, I feel like this... This, like, six-page story could be set up for so many cool things. And then to top it off, I always think that one of the my favorite parts is, like, the animal monsters. And it's something that's totally missing from video games nowadays. Like, maybe it's just because there's people out there that don't like you shooting animals anymore. But I, I always think animals are way scarier than any zombie, any monster, any anything that, you know, like, somebody can imagine. Like, I think that—because that's what made, like, really old games like Resident Evil— and, like, the original Tomb Raider and so on like that, or the original couple Tomb Raiders, is, like, the animals that you would fight. You know what I mean? Like, I always said that Tomb Raider is, like, a survival horror game. I think that's just as scary as Resident Evil, if not more scarier. As you're just fucking walking down the hall, strutting along, and all of a sudden a fucking tiger jumps out at you, and you're like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, so... I, th- th- I'll, yeah, I think that that is something that's kind of missing from a lot of more modern games, or at least a lot of modern horror games. And I think that this story right here... It's probably the first story in this book. Not that the other is, like, totally, like, this is some fucking bullshit. But this is, like, the first story I, I read. Like, oh, I like that one. You know what I mean? Well, it's, like, the first ones, it's, like, they're all kind of, like, they're cool because they add to Resident Evil 1 and 2. But this is that one where it's, like, it's kind of its own original story. But it's almost such, like, a cool, like, oh, man, this fits so well into the Resident Evil-verse. Yet it's also something that would be totally radically different if you decided to make this into a game. Where it's, like, instead you're just fighting mutated, you know animals and stuff like that because it's this is the weird thing it's like you look at the first resident evil game and you fight there's spiders you know you got um dogs you got bees you got the sharks there's you know a plant you know there's all kinds of these like animal type creatures then i mean then there's the mutants like the hunters and like the chimeras and so on and spiders and so on and then as as the games kind of went on there's just like less and less kind of like animal type creatures even like the resident evil 2 remake no spiders. They don't have, um, they only have dogs in the Leon campaign. It's just like, well, those ones, like, they just started minusing things down more and more. And it's like, no, no, no. It's like, get these fucking monsters out of here. I, I can almost, like, say, who cares about the monsters? I would rather see more of, like, the animal type creatures. And this story right did, here, I think, brings it. Did Resident Evil 7 have any of the, uh, animal creatures in there? Or was it just hillbilly zombies? No, Resident Evil 7's, God, that's such, like, the. It has, like, bees is about the only thing in there. Bees? Yeah, that's the only animals uh, it has. Oh, okay. You're in a swamp, so I think you're in a swamp, so you think alligators or some shit would happen. I'm trying to think if there is a, if there is even an alligator. Nope, I don't think so. There's alligators in 5, though, which is actually pretty sweet. Yeah. I mean, there always is uh, a couple, couple like, animal creatures in some of those games. But it's like it's even like the it's like the new Tomb Raider games. I remember like the first time through is that was like the first thing about that new series. It's like, dude, 
you got to bring back the fucking animals. There's some Tomb Raider games that she doesn't fight anything but animals in it. You know, mm-hmm. they only brought like, you know, enemy soldiers in after a while. You know, even the first very first Tomb Raider game, you don't fight like an enemy soldier till like the very end. And it's like a big deal because it's the first time Laura Croft ever killed somebody before. She said, well, I killed a lot of fucking animals, but <laughs> <laughs> a person's different. They got a soul. Shit, I'm, I'm a fucking wealthy, like, you know, gymnast who goes out and shoots exotic animals and finds treasure. That's just my thing. <laughs> and Can I, I slaughter a whole family of tigers? I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck. I wanted that jewel, I wanted that jewel to go in my fireplace. I'm the kind of girl that fucking, like, locks her butler up in the freezer. <laughs> go figure, it's a rich person thing. What, Bruce Wayne gets it? <laughs> So the next story, I'll say the next story that actually kind of I thought was fun. This is more of a fun, self-contained story. It's just like Barry going to get some therapy, and then like a I got, zombie I, outbreak happens while I he's there. Like, oh shit! There is literally. I remember the first time I read this comic, I thought this, but then it reminded me when I saw it. It's like if you go to literally page two of the Barry comic, down at the bottom left is like the comic inter interpretation. Uh, can't let comic enter. Ah, fuck, too late in the day. Whatever. The fucking spitting image of, like, your dad in a comic is that fucking psychiatrist. If he if he had, like, brown hair, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but still, if you gray up that hair right there, like, look at that picture right there. That's just, like, that's your dad walking in being like, what are you fucking kids doing? <laughs> <laughs> are you still playing that Mario bullshit? Yeah. Yeah, dad. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Here in the next room. Ksh. You hear a beer crack open. <laughs> hear like the you hear like some Steve McQueen movie like bullet playing. Yeah, it just keeps getting progressively louder. <laughs> or like the Dirty Dozen or some shit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but no, though this story is kind of cool too because it's like Barry's like, oh, the fucking star says I gotta go go to the psychiatrist to get rid of these zombie nightmares that they keep having. It's like, this is some bullshit. I don't want to fucking be here. And then sure enough, as it happens, he, like zombies come out. He's like, oh, awesome. Cool. This is a good way to iron out this therapy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'll take care of all these problems right here and there. And so on. So Barry discovers that, of course, there's like some virus being released like below the building and whatnot. And these are different types of zombies. These ones have like gray or almost pitch black skin. Are these like a particular type of enemy from the game? No, because as this comic kind of goes on, it's like after the first couple like issues, which were pretty much already passed, everything else is kind of like sort of, I'm going to say made up. That's not like in a bad way, but like they are kind of just like, oh, okay. You know, once again, you're only working off two games. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah. And at the same time, I think it's like Resident Evil 2 like was just coming out. I think this comic was almost meant to kind of boost the advertising of Resident Evil 2 for the most part. Yeah. And then he fights off a tyrant. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, no, this one's just more of a this one's just more of a fun, like I mean, even if you're not really big on the writing, which a lot of the writing is very much like it's not here, but say there's like a part where um it's almost a very eighties action movie slash Saturday morning cartoon. Like there's there's a part where they're on like an airplane and somebody like throws like a tray of like food at somebody, it goes right into a zombie's head, like didn't you know airline food kills you? Like that type of shit. So even if you don't like that kind of writing or that kind of shit, um, this right here, at least the artwork is really awesome and the violence is pretty cool. Well, yeah, it's got it's got great violence, great, totally great artwork and, and so on too. 
And, um, and I think I think the stories are kind of yeah they're all kind of short you know they're you know they're not anything like you know I guess super long or super in depth but just it's the small things they sort of add to it. I do also like there's that weird story where like um it's like they're like in a high school or whatever or no they're in the not the high school they're in like a college or whatever and there's literally like. A this werewolf. Fred Durst looking guy. Well, yeah, there's a werewolf. Too. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. He looks like Fred Durst. Like <laughs> he looks like even when they're because there's these three kids walking, these two girls and this guy, and it shows this came out in '98 or '99. Just for the way this motherfucker looks, like he looks like he is wondering how his Uncle Cracker cover band is gonna do tonight. Exactly. Well, it's just like he's. This is this is totally the late '90s. He's got a backwards hat on. He's got the goatee. He's got a flannel. What's his name? Isn't like it was, I want to say he has a very like what is it? What's his name here? Uh, I want to say it's like Caleb or some shit like that. Yeah, it's just Mike. Mike. Oh, never mind. I want to say it was like Caleb or or okay, maybe if it is just Mike, then okay, whatever. I can see him being a Mike. I can see that. But no, I was I saw him like this motherfucker is gonna be whatever's killing people. Just look at him. They're all talking. He's looking all intense. But he's probably just more thinking about his playlist for his cover band that night, more than likely. So exactly. Well, this is like one of those like what ones like a prequel to Resident Evil One, as like Wesker sends off like Barry and Jill. He's like, "Well, Barry, you're a little too old for college, so Jill, uh, here's your assignment. You're gonna pose as a college student, infiltrate it. There's some mysterious murders happening. You'll figure it out. You're you're at you're at 21 Jump Street. This shit. All right. <laughs> and Do the, I have to wear this shirt that shows off most of my stomach? Yeah. How else are you going to blend in? Like, I don't know. I can dress like anybody else here. Nope. <laughs> the no. fucking 90s, Jill. The 90s. They'll tear you so, apart yeah. if you don't fucking dress right. She's like, I'm only 26. You're too fucking old right now. They'll, they'll notice. <laughs> and then, like, from there, like, I will say, though, that, that costume that Jill's wearing, though, the, the cool thing about that, though, I didn't is, know that was Jill at first. That's her, that's her alternative costume in Resident Evil 1. Like that you can oh, get. it is. So I, oh, I, just, okay. I feel like that's one of those like weird things where it's like the small nods. I mean, granted, I guess if you're sitting there, and you're just flipping through like about like a 15 page art book from like Japan. You would have all this stuff in there and be like, oh, okay, I guess this is what it, what she wears when she's not wearing the you know the blue suit. Okay, all right, that's cool. That's cool. And but then like as you know, it, we kind of skipped. So there's these three kids talking like, oh wow, it's so weird that like murder is happening on the campus. Yeah, I'm from New York. I'm not that nervous about it. Then Fred Durst is like, oh, don't worry. I'll protect you. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, all right, Mike. Whatever. Go fuck yourself. And then Thelma like, did is that going last walking night. alone. <laughs> then, th- then fucking Thelma decides to go for a walk up by herself. And then, you know, a werewolf comes out, kills her. And then we jump over to stars. Like, what can we do? And that's exactly what happens. They end up 21 jump streeting Jill to go on site and figure it out. And then from there... She has, like, a quick brush with this werewolf, unloads on it, and then it's nobody. It's just some guy. And then I guess maybe <laughs> Just a it's really like, hairy guy who's just been, like, out on a bender. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, just, he does start off as a wolf, and then once he dies, he goes back to being a human. But, like, I guess maybe... I'm not sure if it's supposed to be, like, a character from a game they thought was going to come in later or something. Or just, oh, yeah, we have regular werewolves in this world. Not science shit. I mean, just regular werewolves. Yeah, I- it's kind of weird because it really doesn't explain it. Like, it just kind of, like, Barry comes out and be like, oh, that's fucking weird. And I like how Barry's like, good thing that T-shirt you're wearing protected you from his werewolf claws. Yeah, you know, the T-shirt that's only covering your tits and nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just feel like, okay, it's just, yeah, that, that one's just all those stories. That, that just reminds me of, like, 
whoever fucking wrote it. Let's see here. We can, we'll find out exactly. Ted Adams, like, yo. Shame him. Like, Jim's like, Ted, you got to write something for the Resident Evil to fill in the blank. What's Resident Evil? I don't know. It's fucking got zombies and shit. It's got werewolves in it? I don't know. Probably has werewolves in it. I'm fucking busy here. I'm running Wildstorm, Ted. Just fucking write the story. Well, Ryan says he wants to draw some fucking werewolf. Well, fuck it. Then you draw the fucking... Or you, you write a story so Ryan Odgawa can fucking draw a fucking werewolf. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I don't know. It's like... It's fucking Japanese. You're, well, you're Korean. Do I look like I'm fucking Japanese? I'm Korean. And half Korean at that. Fucking get, get on this. Jeez, fucking Jim. Just... Whatever. I'll get to it. Well, is it going to be this, like this... Is it going to be like this everyday shit? Just fucking like, do it. I got like, like five different books story. I'm drawn for right now. <laughs> In the goddamn God, fucking man, middle of the months. entire thing. <laughs> Only been here for two months, Ted. Just fucking get through it already. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then, uh, as you kind of go on, next you get almost like what feels like the Jurassic Park, like three fucking like storyline or something like that, where it's like this pretty like, honey. Well, I mean, I guess it's sort of like that. It just has this feel like we're going to this exotic island, you know, for our honeymoon. Oh, this will be great. We'll go snorkeling and everything. Of course, there's like some Rastafarian guy, which I will say, I, I love the part when like, they came man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you know, he was going to be the first one to die. Like, hey, man, no worries. Just take it. Have a good time, man. And they go walk him back. Like, okay. <laughs> Well, my favorite part is like, okay, as it kind of goes on, he's like, oh, he's like, I'm the snorkeling man, here you go. And they're like out there snorkeling, and then when they come back up and everything's kind of like infected because this plane crashes from an umbrella and just turns the whole island into chaos, like the infected, or the, the Rastafari man's infected, and the, the, the husband's like, take this, you dirty drug addict, get out of here, and just throws him into the ocean. Well, I like at this moment, he doesn't think he's a zombie. He's just like... Because, you know, he just sees this dude, like, he gets up, they get out of the water, and then, like, he his, this, he grabs his wife, which you expect him to see, he grabs him at his wife, he's like, what the fuck? And he's beat the fuck out of him, but his first reaction is to be like, I always wanted to do this! <laughs> just, like, fucking harpoons him, throws him into the water. <laughs> and I love the light. Don't worry, he's a jungle native, he's not a real person! He's like, freaking druggy, you'll never bother anybody again! <laughs> Like he's just he he's probably that guy who's like as he's snorkeling down there's like can you believe they let a fucking drug addict run the snorkeling thing You're like oh Mark he just gotta calm down it's just like he's pro- that's he's just Jamaican it's just as natural they're all fucking druggies Marsha don't you fucking know look at it they all listen to Bob Marley I know how that goes down <laughs> they're just like... I'm not racist it's just Jamaicans are fucking druggies let's just get it done. We're not even in Jamaica. Well, we're close enough. There's He's sand, the there's colors. water. There's, there, there's yeah. guaranteed to be pot. I don't know. If I see if I see too much green, yellow, and red, I start to get worried. <laughs> and then as they kind of come up, of course, there's all, like, you know, the animals are infected. They've already, like, ate all the people. Who, you know, the other, like, fucking ten couples or whatever that's on the island or whatever they say in the beginning. Yeah, from there, it's just the survival story of these two people on the just kind of traveling, just trying to get through this island, avoiding all these monsters. And it's um, this one's you know, it, I kind of you kind of forget you're reading a Resident Evil thing for a minute, but it's like I guess this definitely could happen or this would happen in the world of Resident Evil if a big outbreak happened. So you know, they're just getting attacked by all these mutated you know plants, lizards, uh, 
like, all kinds of just fucked up animals. And then, like, you know, like a fucked up cheetah, like tyrants, like a warthog or some shit, you know. And then at some point, they end up getting to a radio tower. The lady calls for help. And like, oh, I think we're going to make it. I think we're going to make it. And then, you know, that's where... Uh, William Birkin he, this, shows up. From the who's bag- William Birkin again? He's the bad guy from Resident Evil 2. Oh, he's the bad guy from Resident Evil 2? Yeah, he looks very hateable. He does that kind of, yeah. And then he just he says, are you here to help? And they just, you, you know, doesn't show up. Basically, he just implies that he shoots them both. Yeah, he's just like, yep, experiment successful. Yeah, so you're just like, what's kind of funny, it also says with the time this came out, because this is something a lot of, I'm sure some comics still do it, but I remember the song the Hedgehog comics did this. It kind of shows, like, as, I'm not going to say Resident Evil is a kid's thing, but at the time, who was really playing these games mostly? So just like, here's the reader art gallery, you know, so you're reading this very fucked up violent book, and then you're just like, this is Billy from Oklahoma, you know, <laughs> he's looking like at these different, like, this shit that would go on a fridge. I know, when this, when the reader art gallery pops up, I laugh so fucking hard, it's just like, it's not and, like it's like, like, okay, it's like, realistically, like, I would say like the Resident Evil age would be like, 13 year old you know what i mean like oh i'm getting fucking tough now i'm playing fucking resident evil no more of this mario stuff but no no no. these drawings are like six-year-olds drawings you know what i mean and i'm not talking shit on the kids on their on their artwork ability i'm just more it's just funny to me just like you know you just got done reading this fucked up r-rated story you just flip out I'm like look what i drew mommy it's tyrant well, it's funny because it literally, when you when you just kind of think about it, what was the previous story? Well, there was a couple on their honeymoon, and all hell broke loose. And just when they thought they got through this like terrible, terrible fucking disaster, they were just brutally murdered by like the guy who started the fucking like disease. I'm and, looking at a couple of these. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. Oh no! I was just saying that that, that that was that like I was like well, the story is not nearly as dark, but when you really think about like the context of what it is, it's like oh that's fucking like a dark story. There's this one, and let's oh, what, what's this kid's name? What's this? oh it actually has their names on here. Okay, look at that. Let me get yeah, they do. So we, we we could literally look up fucking Steve and Skimpy and fucking Riley and I'm looking. One who I'm looking at. I'm looking at Brian Sock. Socrater, Socrater, because I'm going to say if that right there, this particular picture I'm looking at, if you're like flipping through your kids like notebook and you saw this shit, because what it shows is first off, it's like it's like, okay, it says Resident Evil and then it has a one dash two, one and two rules and then there's a gun shooting through like the head of a poorly drawn zombie that looks like it could be a fucked up person though you don't know if it's entirely a zombie could be a fucked up person like on a like like on like out of someone's like serial killer notebook you know well and and then that guy's giving a thumbs up that says number one so it makes me wonder like how i mean i'm not being a dick on saying how popular this book was but how many people we're submitting artwork if that one got in there. No offense to Brian, but, you know. <laughs> well, well, these are the kind of things that, like, okay, you, you know the time period where you're like, comic books aren't for fucking kids. This artwork is not helping the fucking cause. <laughs> not helping the cause, no. <laughs> this is the one where, like, fucking someone's like, if there's, like, a 15-year-old kid being like, dude, comics aren't for kids, mom. It's like, fucking there. And she's flipping through, like, oh, yeah, Billy? Oh, yeah, look at fucking Brian Socrates' fucking artwork, huh? 
That's not for fucking kids, Billy. It's not for fuck. Not for fucking kids, Billy. Go get a fucking job at the factory. Go get a fucking job at the factory. I don't want to hear shit from you again. No more reading these funny books. And no more of this following your dreams horse shit. No. Your only dream should be the Mr. Factory. <laughs> now go down to the mill. I already wrote up your resume for you. Yeah, I lied if on it. If they ask, you do... If they ask, you do know how to operate a forklift. <laughs> Don't fuck this up. The mortgage is riding on you. Because <laughs> that's what I love. It's like, like the old... There's only, like, one comic in there that looks like it was written by, like, a, that Riley one. Looks like, okay, that could probably be... The bottom one. The bottom one is really good, yeah. But that could probably be a high schooler, really. If I had to guess, Riley's a high school girl. Maybe a guy, but I'm guessing a girl. Possibly, but I want to say it's still good artwork. It's a very comic book. It's very um, cartoony, but it's still really good. Um, let me zoom in on that one real quick. Sorry, one sec. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that one's actually... This has to be so interesting to hear. Let me get a look at that. Oh, yeah, okay, nice, yeah. But no, I'm oh, going to say that's you. decent yeah. artwork right there. Yeah. But no, the well, other I mean, ones, like, yeah, though, no, it's not... like, yeah, not helping the cause. <laughs> <laughs> well, even the one, too, where it's like the fucking picture of, like, I'm assuming he's supposed to be Chris, but it looks like Chris is fucking just laid out, fucking dead. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be, like, showing, like, oh, look, it's supposed to be, like, a diagram of, like, oh, there's his, this is his, this is his knee pad, this is, and they misspell knee. Um, this is his knife holster, this is his elbow bracelet, you know, all this shit. But it looks like he just fell off a fucking building and got ran over by a goddamn semi. <laughs> and I know I said going into this, I'm not going in here to make fun of this kid's artwork, but I'm just saying. Uh, he'll get He's probably a better artist than we are by this point if he's fucking drawing like this point, in 1998. Yeah. By this point, he's probably a better artist. I'm just saying, like... <laughs> I could just see Jim Lee looking at this, like the different. Um, I could see like the, like people submitting artwork to this, and he's full like crap, crap. <laughs> Send me old pictures of Joe Redfield. Who's Joe Redfield? I don't know. Close enough. Athens. It's it, it's it's Chris Redfield and it's Jill Valentine. Who the fuck cares? That's not what they're here. Look at it. the audience is fucking six years old and retarded. They can't even spell knee. <laughs> <laughs> Just like my mother always said, comic books are for six-year-old kids, and that's where it ends. It's seven, you get a fucking job in the coal mines. That's why Jim stopped uh, stopped doing, like, just started doing artwork again for a while. He was tired of being that editor, editor position. He was tired of being J. Jonah Jameson. But eventually he went back to being that, I'm assuming, because now he's one of the heads of DC. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But as we continue on, we, we get to another story that's kind of a... Kind of a neat one too, because this is like once again, like if you as a Resident Evil fan, you kind of notice this, where it's like, okay, once again, they only have Resident Evil one and two, so instead, what they do is, you know, they have Barry, Jill, and Chris all decide to go to Europe to go explore that part of the Umbrella problem, which you know later on you'd see in the games, it's like, okay, you got Chris and um, Rebecca that go there, like in Code Veronica and so on, and then Jill stays in Raccoon City, which would be Resident Evil 3 and so on, and then Barry does whatever Barry does. He ends up in a Game Boy game and takes a long time to get to another one. But um, this story's like, the one thing I think is kind of neat is like when they get to the airplane, 
like that in itself would make for a really cool like intro to like a Resident Evil game. Kind of like how in Resident Evil Zero you start off on like a train, and I always thought that was probably the coolest part of that entire game. It's just I don't know what is something about like being on a train and confined and just having to go down the halls of it. I could see like that would be kind of fun. I mean, you couldn't do it for like that long, but just like a nice opening segment, like almost like the length of like Metal Gear Solid 2's like tanker or something like that. <laughs> I'll say before 9-11, the go-to bad guy, whenever there's a terrorist attack in a movie, was a guy with a goatee and a ponytail with some sunglasses. And especially he's got the 90s, like, thin sunglasses on the little rectangular ones. Yeah, yeah, he's got that going on. Like, oh, I, don't, I can't trust this motherfucker. This motherfucker. You know this guy wears, like, wears bod body spray. Anyway. And I love and how, then, like, like they, so they, they infect, like, the first-class passengers' water, which turns up with the T-virus and whatnot. And I love how, like, Barry's walking back, and there's just this, like, guy sitting there, like, a businessman, like, fucking losers, got to sit in coach. <laughs> I got my fancy water here. Ship, 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 ship. And he literally yells, losers! Yeah. It's like, this is a San Pellegrino shit that he's drinking. Yeah, you guys get tap water. Where do you think they're tapping water from? We're in fucking the air. There's a trough back there for you to all, to all drink out of. <laughs> like the heat that you fucking are. Stewardess! what you put in this shit? <laughs> and then the guy starts coughing blood, and then he immediately turns into a zombie, and then all these people from first class start coming in and attacking. And that's they just start getting this, like, you know, total action scene, and that's where they have the, the choke where... Airplane food kills you, don't you know? She throws like a like a pl- like a you know a uh, tray pan over at a zombie side or some shit. And then from there, it's getting this big action scene. It, it comes uh, to be continued until the next issue. Because sometimes what they do is they'll have it where it, like one story ends on a cliffhanger and then it's continued in the next issue, but maybe a few issues down the line because they have a couple anthologies. These are always anthologies. That's the thing. Yeah, well, it's like it's almost like for the next couple issues, for like three, four, and five, they use this airplane one to kind of keep you along, and then they just throw in some other random ones too because they have this. This next issue is fucking like the weirdest one of them all. There's the one where it's like it's some small town in Nevada where people are just a little bit more hillbilly than you, and all of a sudden there's these Batman that come out and fucking attack the town. Like, oh, what the fuck is this? And of course they have they they have that weird. I think it's like a cross between Jeepers Creepers and. This is going to be the weirdest comparison from Dust Till Dawn 2. <laughs> yeah. No, that totally is kind of like how it feels. Like, it is, once again, it just binds you. Let's see who the fuck wrote this one. Chris Oprisco. And just one of those ones where fucking Jim Lee's probably like, Chris, you got to fucking write a story. We got to fill in the fucking blanks here. You know what I mean? Like, you'll figure it out. Yeah. The, um, I'm sorry. The audio went out for a second but then we cut over to um we would cover cut over to like the most stereotypical like um just just a generic ass evil mad scientist guy you know like my creations you know he's like oh sir we're working as hard as we can if you don't fuck up you're the next test subject you know and they're grabbing people from town and like turning them into these bats more or less yeah, it's just, it's it's weird because like it just, I mean, I, I guess you could fit that into the Resident Evil thing, but it definitely is definitely taking a liability and just going like wherever you kind of feel. But of course, Leon hears about this. He's like, "There's only one man who could solve this." Leon S. Kennedy. 
and and then they have like this. There's this one part where it's a kid walking a cow, because you know he doesn't have a dog. He has a cow, and he's just walking along the plains. Like, don't worry, Bessie. And all of a sudden, these bat people come down. They see the cow like Bessie or Gracie. No, and it's funny. The very bottom panel of this one, one of the bats is looking at this like, ah, fuck you. <laughs> he's got that look like fucking '90s kid if you're a bat where it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, fuck you, yeah! That's like the only thing I can imagine. I don't imagine a shriek. That's all I imagine. And just yelling at this kid as they, you know, attack this cow. And then this kid gets bitten by one of them. The townsfolk come come help the kid. They take him to the hospital. The kid turns into a zombie. And from there, uh, the outbreak begins. And then the guy, the evil mad scientist guy, is like, My creations! Go into the town! And from there, like... Chris Red, I mean not Chris. Uh, Leon, Leon just goes in this mur- like murder rampage of these bat things, going over trying to kill the uh, like scientist guy and all that. Yeah, it's just it's one of those ones where it's just like it just feels a little bit odd. Not saying that I guess you couldn't somehow some way fit this into Resident Evil, but it definitely just feels like now it's just getting into like Leon S. Kennedy Monster Hunter. You know what I mean? Like fucking him and Ash are gonna have like a team up next or something. Now this next one, I barely remember what happened in this one. After that one, uh, the special delivery one is this like what what made uh, what made like one of the outbreaks happen in one of the games or something? Because it's just some guys in a helicopter carrying some shit, and then like I think it looks like Tyrant or Nemesis or something jumps up and attacks them. No, this is once again all these last stories are all pretty much just totally made up stuff. Like it's really only like the first two books that kind of have like normal like Resident Evil kind of continuity. This stuff's all mm-hmm. these are almost like all bonus stories. So the, yeah, they literally drop this tyrant like as it's like an experiment or something like that. And yeah, it's one of those ones where it's just like I think it's just literally meant to be like an action one. Like these guys are like, hey, we're gonna go home early for you know this job. It'll be awesome. F- fucking Samuel Jackson's on Conan in the night, you know. <laughs> And then we cut back to like um we cut back to like uh Chris, Barry and Jill back on the plane fighting off zombies. Like, well, that was a wild 8-hour plane ride, like 10-hour plane ride. Now let's go, let's go sightseeing. And then it just comes this montage of them going to different countries in Europe. And each one's like a page or two. And the first one they're in London, it shows them fighting some of the guards and like the hats and all that. And then it cuts to them and, uh, well, they're still in London. They're still in London. And they have some of those moments where it says, I down thee the zombie slayer. Because grab he grabs, like, a sword. He's, like, chopping zombies up. So some of that really kind of hokey kind of uh, comedy in there. And then I thought it was funny is they're just going through these. Because they're just jumping through different towns. They actually spend a little bit long, more time in London than I f- f- uh, thought. But when they stop in the Netherlands, I thought this is funny. They stop in the Netherlands... And they're in Amsterdam. And of everything you can show in Amsterdam, like, well, they're in the Netherlands, so windmill. <laughs> well, it's because it's, it's like the Eiffel Tower of the Netherlands. <laughs> well, they're fucking everywhere. That's the thing. There's more than one of those. Granted, it's a famous one because I was actually literally reading this to my girlfriend. I'm like, hey, is this a particular windmill? Like, oh, yeah, the Degoria. You know, she says, I don't, you know, she's Dutch, so. But, um,. I was like, you could have done anything. You could have showed them fighting like along like a canal. You could have showed them like fighting through the red light district. Could have show show them like you know like doing because Amsterdam's a very interesting looking city, regardless. But then you know like you know like they're on like a boat fighting zombies off from a canal as they're trying to avoid them or whatever. But like, oh fuck it, they're just fighting on a windmill. Well, here's the thing: the six year old audience—that's all they know of the Netherlands. <laughs> 
I know, I know. I'm just thinking, though. I'm just thinking the little bit of a missed opportunity. Not a big deal, I mean, though. I it's mean, like, you know. by that standard, you probably don't need to have the Eiffel Tower either, but I think it's just one of those ones, like, as your average American audience, it's like, oh, that's... It's that kind of thing that, like, you almost have to show it, like, oh, they're in France. But then again, what's six... There's next next one, they're in Germany. They're like, okay, uh, Oktoberfest. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, like, you know, why not? This is really just like the, like, it's just literally just this fucking montage. It's like a kill montage is the best way to say it. Because that's just Jill, Barry, and Chris just fucking like, with the, like, Team America song, like, blast through. It's like, it takes America to fucking save you from zombies. And I think they get to Germany. Like, of course, the evil castle is going to be somewhere in Germany. Exactly. But just, just saying. It's just like, we all know that fucking Europeans can't take care of themselves. <laughs> send some stars members over there so then from there they just fight some more like zombies and creatures within the castle and the next story then we get and on to be continued because we got some zombies and i think uh not a tyrant i thought it was a tyrant but no just some just some bloody ass zombie walking towards them next story is a short story it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with anything but i found this one interesting it's about like a nerdy ass kid like a prep school private in a prep school who's always bullied by other kids. And they're always the super stereotypical, like my dad, you know, my dad, like jock, uh, you know, th- those guys, they're uh, always being the fuck out of this kid. I mean, old school, like 1950s, like wedgie from the tree type shit, you know? <laughs> exactly. Just like leaves him there for fucking days, shoves him into like the, like the piss soaked toilet and so on. It'd be like, whatever. It's like, it's what my dad said that I was supposed to do when I went to school. I always feel like wedgie shit. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but that always seemed like pent up gay rage. Like a dude's like, I feel like the dude's like closeted and he's like, Oh, I don't know what to do. This is the closest thing. I, you know, like why are you grabbing his underwear? Oh, I was, I was doing it to hurt him and pull it. That's why I, I always feel like that. Cause that always seems like such a fucking outdated, like, you know, fucking outdated, like bully tactic to me. Yeah. I, I always thought that was kind of weird too. Well, it's like, even as a little kid, people make jokes about it. Like, if you, if you try to go grab a kid's underwear, even if you hated the kid and you're going to fight him, if you try to grab his underwear in, like, you know, middle school, you're just like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? You know? Well, I think, because here's the thing. It's like, like they kept that thing around, like, here, because, you know, it's like older people riding it. Like, in the 90s, it would have been like, dude, what the fuck? Dude, you fucking gay? Like, it, you, it, that's what it would have turned out to be. Be like, no, 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 I'm not. Like, and that would have prevented all wedgies right then and there. It's just the any no- <laughs> notation that that guy might be gay. That bully would be like, oh, he would back up so quick. And the guy who was secretly gay, he was just like, like no! You know, but then he just, like, doubles down on it. I'm just doing it because I fucking hate you. I'll make you feel bad. I'm like, all right, dude, that's that's your excuse, you know? He says he's hanging from a tree. Yeah, exactly. Because that literally happens. It's they, they show these guys just in a montage multiple times beating the shit out of this kid. And this kid's like, I can't fucking do this anymore. I'm a genius. I'm meant for more. You know, and there's like uh, there's like an umbrella, some umbrella guys that are like loading some stock, some other supplies in a... Uh, in like a warehouse somewhere and they're just like oh whatever it's just the easy job well I, I love how these guys are like they're like they got this job where it's like probably super secretive like they can literally see what they're moving they're moving this tyrant around and there's like some fucking kid just runs through like the rafters like a rat and they're like what's that like i don't know it's some kid i mean remember when you were a kid you used to run around doing stupid shit oh yeah well should we say anything i don't know that sounds like fucking extra work man oh, oh, sounds like fuck the kid's already gone. Like, what are we supposed to do? You know what I mean? He, he was quick like well, a one fox. Of these, 
one of these guys is wearing a off-brand Sublime shirt. <laughs> yeah, he really is. This is like, where that's the, meant to be the Sublime Sun. I'm pretty sure this is where uh, Umbrella cheapened out and just they're like, you know what? We hired Earl here, and uh, <laughs> we, we we just we just I don't work. know his name. We'll call the other one Flumpy. Yeah, the other one he has a name tag. I just can't fucking read it, and I don't fucking care. And then we jump back because he steals something from. He sees like they have all this uh, Umbrella bio weaponry and test tubes and shit. He sees like a tyrant or something. And then, um, next day, these kids are continue beating the shit out of him. His girl, this girl that likes him, comes by, keeps on defending him. They smack her, like, you're still a bitch! And then the next day, that's where he sneaks in there, steals something, injects himself, and becomes one of these Resident Evil monsters. And then goes around, just, like, slaughtering all these guys. One of them, this is how you know, is 98 or 99. This is the best is part. Backstreet's back to himself. And I love how it's, like, this is, like, the thing is, like, this character, it's it's weird because this guy also has, like, stereotypes that would almost make him, like, to be made fun of. Because he's, like, the fat guy who's going to, like, the fucking snack bar. He's, like, what am I going to get? Am I going to get, you know, donuts or am I going to get a chocolate bar? <laughs> yeah, and then he just gets, like, his head basically jammed into the thing. And you see, like, organs ripping out of him somehow. And then... He just goes and just murders all these kids pretty brutally. And then, I want to say the last one, I remember if he... No, he does kill the last guy. And the girl sees it, like, no, stop it, you can change. Like, this is who I am now. You know, don't you like me? And then he gets zapped by some 1920s umbrella employees. And from there, they're like, well, we gave you a serum to make you all, like, normal-ish again. But how would you like to come work for us, kid? Like, yes. Yeah, it's like almost like the bullish bowling. God, I love those fucking nineteen twenties guys right there too. Like, look at that guy's fucking jacket, yeah, the nice the fur, fur and the fur fucking trim. wide brim hat and everything like that. We're we're ex Dick Tracy villains. <laughs> yeah, shit. Like fucking, we're, we're setting up Hitler's youth army in nineteen fucking twenty eight. If he takes his glove off, he has like an imprint of a doorknob on it or some shit. Yeah, exactly. Well, this story though, I will say, like, like the monster in it, with like that guy, the kid, fucking turns himself into, is like really like creepy looking. Like, if that was like actually in a game or so on, you'd be like, oh, what the fuck? Well, it's creepy because he's like, you could still, you can kind of tell he was a kid, even though he's all deformed and monstrous. You could tell he's still a kid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like one eye is kind of swollen shut, the other's wide open, part of his head stretched out. And his arms get all kind of like weak and gangly looking, but they get all big at the end. Yeah, exactly. So he's just this kind of just weird, awkward, nerdy fucking kid, but now he's like a monster. Like that, that's almost just kind of cool in itself. Because I will say, there's a lot of things, but a lot of these like short stories in here, you, you literally almost could turn this, like, especially if they're like movies, you could almost turn that into a movie, like this story right here, and just expand on it, you know? Yeah. Now, the next one is just a very small, short story. And I want to say this before we get too far in this. It's about a couple, another couple on our honeymoon, so you know things are going to go great, <laughs> traveling through Raccoon City. I'm going to say this right now. Who Ryan Adagawa, whoever drew this, he must not like Kevin Smith. Because this dude, at the beginning, looks so much like Kevin Smith. And I feel like even the lady looks like Jen Schwalbach. So I don't know if that is like a coincidence or not. Just because he has kind of that quasi light goatee, he has the glasses, 
kind of has sort of the Kevin Smith hair of the time, and he's wearing a hockey jersey, and he's a kind of a now now he's thinner, but he's kind of a bigger guy with a thinner like hot wife. Did did Kevin Smith wear the hockey jersey in like 1998 though? By that point. I feel like he did. I feel like he would do a lot of interviews and he'd still be wearing a hockey jersey. I mean, look at him. L- look at him in every one of these shots. Tell me this guy does not look like Kevin Smith. Yeah, he, he definitely does. Like, especially that one where like they're holding hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like every time I've seen... Every time I've... Uh, I don't know. I feel like I've seen old, um, old interviews with him from then. I want to say there were times where he was just wearing a hockey jersey. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that's that far, because I just didn't know if that was where he got, like, that was where all he wore for, like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. But this one actually starts off, like, I think it's supposed to be, like, an intro to, like, the pretty much the first, like, cut scene of Resident Evil 2 for the Claire file. Yeah, because it just, these this couple decides to pull over, like, hey, we're lost, whatever, let's just get some food. They kind of get in an argument because they're lost, so they go get some food. And then, as they're eating... Turns out the cook is infected. The cook attacks the server. Like, I'm sorry. Let's never fight again. I'll love you to the day I die. Oh, no. Zombie bit me. You know, and then from there, he tries to fight the zombies off, but he himself gets overran. And then Claire walks in and then sees like, oh, shit, I just wanted some pancakes. And then (laughs) sees like, you know, Kevin Smith dead on the ground, with the zombie looking over his shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. No, it it really, the weird thing is, too, is like, was Jen in, because I'm trying to think of like the movie, like. Because Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back hasn't been out, but was she in a movie before that one? Probably not. The probably the way the wife looks, that's probably coincidental. But because um, I don't think they got married until like after Dogma. Yeah, Dogma is still ninety nine. So this this story still probably before that. They met between. They met between. I. I know this because I read his, his autobiography. They met between Chasing Amy and Dogma. He met her through an interview because she, she was a journalist. He met her through an interview about Chasing Amy. They, they hit it off and they started seeing each other from there. And then at some point they got married while filming Dogma or they met her right after Dogma. Something to that effect. So, yeah, I, I, this, th- that's probably not meant to be her. That's probably a full coincidence. But I just think... I got a strong feeling that's meant to be Kevin Smith. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. Yeah, you never know. Well, I think we get to uh, the last part of our story, of our part three of, like, fucking, like, the Stars members, like, crusade to, like, rid, like, Europe of tyranny of the, you know, the monsters. It's yeah, a, and it's, it's a three-man crew that can solve all, like, Europe's problems. It all takes three Americans. It's three strong Americans. Three Americans. In classic anime style of... Young, like, brash guy, old, wise man, and woman. <laughs> well, this wasn't really the... Was this the main dynamic in the uh, first two games? Or did they kind of make that... They just kind of adapt that for this? Because I feel like that... I, I, I mean, I don't really... I mean, I don't play the games, but I thought Barry was only, like, in the first one or two, wasn't he? He's literally, as far, and he's in kind of like some of the later ones, but in the first one, he, he's only in that, but he's only in the Jill file, technically. Because they have that kind of weird thing where um, there's like, you know, Jill and Barry are kind of together, and they work in that one, and then in the Chris file, it's Chris and Rebecca. And then at the very end, it's like, you know, if you're Chris, you meet Jill. If you're Jill, you meet uh, Chris, but they don't have, like, you don't see Rebecca. And, in a sense, you don't see Rebecca and Barry in the same storyline. So, in a sense, those two characters might actually be the same person, Rebecca and Barry. 
<laughs> the Fight Club shit. <laughs> so it, it's either it's either an eighteen year old like girl out of med school, or it's a fucking like forty year old man with a beard. <laughs> Which I will say, there, there's actually a line that's it's earlier in the book. Like I think it's in the first one when Chris is like doing the overview of like, okay, we're doing the debrief of what fucking went down last night. I know you all think it's kind of fucking weird that we you know zombies and death and we lost you know like seventy percent of our team. But there's the part where he's like, okay, and then I, I rescued Jill from the jail cell because she was sitting there the whole time not doing fucking shit. And I like how Jill's sitting there being like, no, it went the other way around. I rescued you from the jail cell. You were just the one sitting around doing that. And I think that's kind of a funny nod to like, the game because it's just one of those ones like, whatever file you play, you either rescue Jill or you rescue Chris, depending on who you play as. Yeah, yeah, that's actually, that's clever right there. And uh, but it, it happens here. I mean, when they when moving forward from this story, now we got this is our trinity: just old man, young rash guy, woman. <laughs> moving forward from here, they're in the they're in this castle. Like, all right, let's take care of some umbrella shit. And then from there, it starts a self destruct situation. More monsters start coming, and it just comes this big, you know, big shootout explosion fest. But it's actually taken care of pretty quickly, though, and. Um, yeah, this taken care of very quickly, actually. Anyway. It's because they got big, fat splash panels. That's the reason why. Like, when you do big, fat splash panels, the book goes by so much faster. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they knock this stuff out. They jump out of there. I'm like, oh, well, another job well done. Ha, 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 G.I. Joe. Well, yeah, they, like, jump out of there. And it's just like, hey, Leon and Claire decided to show up. Yeah. Like, are we late to the party? Yeah, that kind of whole thing. You know, so... Um, but yeah, so I was wondering if, I'm wondering, because right here, this is where she has like an N, has a fin, because they're in Europe. But I'm wondering if uh, from here they're planning to continue it, or if like, you know, the contract ran out, or like, yeah, this is as much as we're doing, so whatever. But um, I'll, I'll say this, like, this book didn't really jump out to me. It was kind of, because I, I was not really a big, massive Resident Evil fan. But I'll say, the artwork's good, and there's some good action. I, I think that you as a Resident Evil fan could probably comment on this more than I can, but I imagine if you are a big-time Resident Evil fan, this might be one of those things that, even if the writing is whatever, like, it just might be interesting just as part of its history of, like, media that was out around that time. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's sort of how it is. Like, I'll say this, like, as straight-up stories go, it's, yeah, it's nothing, like, super amazing, but as the Resident Evil fan, it's something that I think is kind of cool. And it's, it's more like the small stuff, I think, that what adds to it, that it's like, oh, man, that's so fucking neat. Or, like, you know, like, the zoo story. As I said, I think that's the biggest takeaway. I know it's only, like, six pages long, but that zoo story in itself, like, I look at that and I go, dude, that is so, that could be one of the coolest video games you could ever have that nobody will probably ever make. But, um, yeah, it's just things like that. And I think just kind of adding to it. Like, really, if you want the best of the best Resident Evil stories, the books by S.D. Perry are, like, so phenomenal. Because that's just, like, the best way to get, like, the super dialed-in story, all the extras, all the bells and whistles, all the explanations if you were wondering how things worked. Like, those books are so, so amazing. And they're advertising here at some point. I saw them a few times pop up, yeah. Like, I I imagine this would be something kind of like, um... Like, the early, early Sonic Archie comics... Like, those aren't the most best, well-written comics, and they're not the best drawn either, 
But at the same time, it's kind of like, if you're a big Sonic fan, it's kind of interesting to seeing what they pull from the games and what they add to it, seeing as like, all right, well, what do we got to work with from this time, you know? And that itself is kind of interesting. Now, if you don't, if you never gave a shit about the character or don't really care about the games, then I can see, you know, why would you want to buy that? And I kind of get that. I feel like that, though, if you do like the games and you, you know, grew up playing them and you actually still have some fondness for the character in that world then you might as well, you know, pick up a few of the old ones and check them out. And I feel like maybe the same thing with this right here. Like, if you are a fan of the series, and even though it's not the best, but you do care about, like, oh, the evolution of the series and other mediums it was presented in, like, why not check that out, too? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's how I kind of feel. It's just one of those ones, if you like just a little bit more, like, expanded universe. And plus the artwork, though. The artwork is pretty darn killer the whole way through. Yeah, the, if the, uh, definitely a saving grace of it is the artwork. Like, Wildstorm spared no expense. You know? mm-hmm. The only expense they spared is just like, hey, you know what? We can go buy this a lot faster if we just do big old fat splash panels like every third page. Well, it was, this is also probably... I think this is also where a lot of that super um, edgy 90s, like, you know, big pouch pockets type of thing was starting to die off. I mean, I'm thinking back, like... Image was still there, but I still think they're kind of finding their identity, kind of. Because, you know, they came out like, we do Spawn, we do Wildcats, we do this. We do... Then as time went on, like, oh, we actually do really high-class artsy stuff that's not really connected. Or it could be anything, really. Image is anything. That's why Image, I think, is my favorite company by this point. But, um, but then you get those other ones. Like, this feels more like, even though this is kind of like Image stuff, there's that other stuff that Image inspired like Top Cow, you know, which is like they did the Tomb Raider comics. They Danger did Girl. like Witchblade, you know, a lot of, you know, basically anything they could put like a hot chick on the cover, you know, to get like 13 year old kids to buy it. And some of those comics still hold up. Some of those comics are good, but the, that, that was the whole thing. It was like edgy, violent, sexy, you know. It was just, it was 90s type stuff. And yeah. Well, this was Wildstorm, so it's pretty much just like the second incarnation of image that just didn't last the same length that image has yeah yeah so from there i think this is well this came out in 98 i want to say what brought maybe i'm wrong i don't i don't know i I think it was i think that batman hush i don't think that was his first dc project but that was like a big fucking deal like jim lee's drawing fucking batman well, because he, he might have had, because it seems like whenever somebody comes over, I mean, maybe he might have went straight into Batman. I don't know, because that would be 2000. That's really not that far off from this book right here. No, it's. Well, I was thinking it was 2004, but you're right. That is like, I think, 2000. I, I, think, I think it's literally 2000 or 2001. I want to say. Actually, I think you're right. 2000, 2001. You're right. So that would be, yeah. Okay. But he, but every once in a while, like, sometimes they'll get him in the they'll get like a big artist like that and they'll have them draw the most obscure book known to mankind. And then they do something really big or they'll do the thing where they'll get like one or two bit. They'll get like a big artist and a big writer and they'll be on there for the first few issues. Like they did that with justice league on the new 52. They had Jeff Johns and Jim Lee for the first six issues. And then the next arc was just like, Oh, two or three issues by the, by them, and then by then they move on to the team that they're like, all right, these guys are a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're it's, not trying to bring that team down. But that's just what they that's what they do, you know. Well, it's kind of like I mean, it's like I guess it's even like the Res Neal books. Like you have Jim Lee do the cover, so which I always like. I, I will always say like it's not that I don't like it. I'd be doing around. I love a Jim Lee cover, and I understand kind of like when you do a cover, 
it's like one of those ones like that's probably the best job you can have in comic books because you literally just do one page of something really cool you mostly never have to do a background or anything like that unless you really want to and that's it you're done it's fucking like something you could do like in a day and get paid probably more than all the guys fucking working on the book but it is one of those ones like i will say at the same time like i almost kind of don't like when the cover artist is different than the inside art because i feel like it's sort of misleading Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because like it's almost like if, if realistically if i see a jim lee cover and you know he only does like the first i think three of them on here but like i see a jim lee cover and you almost kind of go oh shit the whole book's gonna be fucking jim lee and you're like oh he just did the cover it's almost like it's almost a letdown because i mean it's, how many books have you picked up in a store where you look at it and you go oh dude that cover is fucking sick and then you open the artwork up and then you look inside you're like oh it's just got generic comic book artwork and you put it back down yeah, yeah, that's happened a couple of times. Or they have, like, something, advertising something on the cover that doesn't even happen in the book at all. Yeah, there's that, too. But, I mean, most of the time, it's always, like, it's a cover, like, mislead, where I feel, like, where the arts, especially if you have an artist that's way too different from the artist in the inside, I think if you're going to have a variant cover artist and they're going to be different, or not even a variant cover, I mean, just a cover artist and they're going to be different, at least make sure they're kind of in a similar ballpark as the guy who's drawn on the inside, the gal who's drawn on there. Because I think it's just, there's nothing, I mean, at least I'll say it's with the Resident Evil book. I think the art kind of matches enough. I mean, you know, it's like they're different artists, but they all feel like they come from like, you know, fucking Jim Lee's like child camp. Yeah. <laughs> his, uh, his, uh, his child camp. <laughs> You know, like they, they all feel like they're drawn in the Jim Lee style. You know what I mean? Like, just imagine like a whole bunch of people at a desk and he's just walking in front of them like, you will learn to draw like me, Jim Lee. One of the greatest artists in the age. You know, just like, um, why is he putting on a fake German accent? Don't question it. Yeah, don't question Jim Lee. You never, you never, you never question Lee. But, um, but yeah, no, like, see, this one kind of works. Where it's like, yeah, there's so many books though where it's like the art, it's like, oh, you see like a really badass or a really creative artist do the cover. And then, as I said, a lot of times you open up and it's like, I always call it like that, I call it generic comic book art. And it's that kind where it's not bad, but it's just like, there's nothing special about it. It looks good. You can't it's, really tell it apart from other stuff. Exactly. It's all, the proportions are all right. You know, everything about it's like, you know, up to par and factory codes, you know, specs, but... But yeah, I just feel like it's missing the one thing that's kind of like, I think what makes like truly good comic books is uniqueness. Mm -hmm. And I know like, granted, I know when it's a Marvel or DC book that used to be the rules for the longest time, like, you know, no, 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 you follow the fucking machine. The machine knows best, but uh, we're, we're humans. No, no, no. You be like a machine and you draw that way. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. They would play around with that. No, they didn't play around back then, but now they're kind of giving a little bit more creative licensing and. Just mixing shit up. I mean, well, I, I say don't know it's, it still happens all the time nowadays. You know, I yeah. mean, you still see it. Like, I, I would say uh, Marvel and DC, probably 75% of the books all have, like, generic comic book artwork. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but, like, that, that's what the majority of the stuff is. It's every once in a while you get those books where it's like, oh, fuck, they're, they're, they're trying something different with it or they're letting a, a real kind of, like, artist go at it. Well, for other books, I mean, granted, I haven't really been keeping up with Marvel in a while, but, I mean, the last couple uh, Marvel books I was reading did have, like, their own signature, and that was, like, you know, back when Rick Remender, was it Rick Remender, or uh, someone was on Hawkeye. Was it Rick Remender that was on Hawkeye, or am I thinking of mixing people up there? Um, well, see, like, the Hawkeye one, that, that, that's kind of like Remender. one of those, those are like those kind of different stories, you know? 
It's gonna bother me. It wasn't Rick Remender. Rick Remender was working on Captain America. And that was really good, but um, that was John Romita Jr. for a minute. But um, as his artist, but uh, fuck, it's gonna bother me because it was a really good story that that he was doing for Hawkeye. But Matt there's Fraction. that. There's what Matt Fraction. Thank you. Yeah, uh, there is like that had a very particular art style. Had that kind of like you know. Um, Batman Year One quasi art style, but it was a very modern, recent comic. You had like Cosmic Ghost Rider, which was really cool, had a very different kind of art style. You had um, um, different artists coming in on Old Man Logan when that was on running for a while. So, you know, you get those ones that stand out, then you get this one that's kind of a little bit more of like status quo for different other books, but. Um, who knows? I don't know. It, it varies. It changes depending on the writer. I think it depends on how much how much they trust the writer and the artist, probably. Yeah, and, and it's like it's just certain ones. It's like you know the certain stories for a while they'll have just like some real like experimental artwork in a cool way, and then they and then they'll kind of go back to like you know the safe place. You know, of like mm -hmm. once again, it's not saying that the artwork's bad. It's just it just kind of you can't tell it apart from like everybody. It's not like you look at it and go, oh shit, that's you know Jim Lee, or oh shit, that's Frank Miller. Or, you know, that's somebody, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. but, I want to hear, um, actually, this. I don't want to go on a whole other tangent, like, but, oh, people are too soft, or people are being pussies, or whatever. But, because um, I feel we've had that conversation a lot. But did you, he did you hear all the all the, the drama that happened probably almost like a month ago by now about the two new Marvel characters that everyone hates? No, I have no idea. Well, it's actually a team. So there's the team New Warriors, which I know of the New Warriors, but I don't really know them that well. But I, I just know of the team, you know. Mm -hmm. The only character in the team that actually, the only two characters in the team I actually know of are Nova and Firestarter. Uh, everybody else, like, oh yeah, I've seen that guy in the background, or I know I've seen this character somewhere. Anyway, New Warriors, their whole thing is they came out in the '90s. Well, in their '90s run, they're very edgy and very of the moment, so they're trying. Well, let's do a very edgy of the moment thing of teenage superheroes now. So, the I don't want to go over each individual member. But, like, one is, like, an emo kid, like, an emo kid who's a vampire who's has blood of Morbius, which, okay, that could be kind of cool, but his name is B-negative, and he's meant to be, because, you know, blood type, and also, he's meant to be, like, the edgy, angsty kid, I'm like, oh, shut the fuck up. But then the two, the, then there's another kid who's, like, constantly, like, he was exposed to internet gas, and his name is Screen Time, internet gas, I didn't make that shit up, internet gas, his name is Screen Time, and it's like he can basically he constantly has access into the web at all times and he's obsessed with memes and he's able I'm assuming at some point he could hack into shit like cyborg or something but at the moment they just said oh yeah you know he just can pull up internet shit instantly just like is that it okay whatever I'm assuming he can hack I'm hoping he so, can hack so he's like a cell phone basically yeah they actually made that comparison he's like a human cell phone and then the two there's like two or three more characters there's like one or two other characters but then the other the one the two i want to bring up though we're like oh my god you can't be fucking serious you really did that okay let's see what happens they come with these two twin characters named safe space and snowflake and it's not meant to be satirical it's not meant to be like a jab or a joke like haha it's like no we're taking these things that are meant to be like is uh is, uh, you know, ridiculing remarks, but turning them into, you know, badges of honor and a uh, safe space. And he's like, he's like this jacked, stereotypical jock. And they show him, he's like a black dude dressed in pink with bright pink hair. It's like, oh, I'm not sure you know what a fucking jock is, dude. And he could create force fields, but not around him, just around other people. And then say, and then safe, then like, um, snowflake 
is just basically looks like the girl version of him of this guy just kind of you know short blue hair and then she's able to throw like like snowflakes like shurikens i'm like holy shit really okay wow that's they're definitely uh reaching there that was a reach yeah now if this comes out being a like a sat i don't think it's gonna be satirical but i don't know i'm just like god damn i mean you have people full-on just like boycotting marvel because of that i'm like don't be fucking ridiculous i'm gonna boycott a whole company over that shit but that is just god <laughs> god comic industry struggling right now fuck i wonder why among other reasons well well that's like one of those kind of books when people are like like going up in arms it's like yeah but that's like sounds like such a like that's not even a book that i feel like the average person is going to normally go out and buy anyways like no, that, probably not. That sounds like such like a weird like for the guy who's read everything Marvel. Here's this other book. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's a book. No, no New Mutants. Not New Mutants. Um. Uh. uh fuck. What's he saying? Uh, new Warriors. That I think is already a one that might be a tough sell. But every so often, it's cool if you get like a weird, obscure book and present it away into new to new readers. Like, like I absolutely loved um, another another Marvel book I read not too long ago. Actually, not too long ago, being probably a few years ago, um, was the run on um, Power Man and Iron Fist, and that went on for like three volumes. And I loved that series. And I never read Power Man and Iron Fist before, but it was a interesting way like okay here's enough backstory now let's move forward and i totally loved it and i wish that series was still going on and that was one where they had a very distinct art style it was really fun it was fast paced it kept moving there's still some heart to it and i i can kind of get if you got like a weird oddball book and you just give it kind of like the right twist or the right team to see what people can do i get that and i think that's something doable with something like new warriors but you come in with characters like I mean, I guess you can say, well, we're trying to get the uh, the people who usually don't read comics. Like, I could say, okay, if you're trying to do that, then you could try that, but I don't think this is the way to do it. This seems like you're trying to pander way too hard. No. Well, also, too, like, there's something to be said. Like, people either read comics or they don't read comics. I feel like you can't really grab a new audience. I, I think they've tried that for a uh, hundred years, and it's never worked. <laughs> well, I think the best way to do it, in all honesty, is just make the movies good and then make people curious enough about the books and make have a story that's not too intimidating for someone to go on and want to check out one of the comics. I think it's the best. That's how I got into comics. I mean, I saw Batman Begins, and I grew up watching the cartoons. So I was like, all right, well, shit, let me give this a shot. I was always kind of intimidated, but let me see where, where, to, where to jump in at. Because, you know, whenever I picked up a comic book, it was always a character I liked getting murdered. Then I realized, oh, it was an Elseworlds story, or they go back in time and stop it, or it got rebooted or whatever. And, um... But then, like, yeah, sure enough, I read Batman Hush, and there we go. I got into it. All I'm right. sorry. I feel like we, we took the full – we went all the way away from Resident Evil there. Sorry about that. That's okay. Well, I, I could I could bring this back to Resident Evil real quick. Something like Resident Evil, that's a perfect example of another kind of gateway-type comic because a lot of times I feel those kind of – like, when I was a kid, a lot, lot of the books that I would buy – I mean, like, I still bought, like, you know, X-Men books – and Batman and so on, just I miscellaneous single issues because that's all you could get. You couldn't fucking complete a story arc. You just got one. But um, lots of times it was things like this where like, oh, it's shit. It's like here's like, you know, like, um, you know, like a Johnny Quest comic or something that's like not like your normal like comic book characters to kind of ledge you in. And it's almost like kind of gateway comics or so on or, you know, even like G.I. Joe or, you know, just different kind of things at that time or even just video game comics itself, just like that could kind of lead you into you know reading you know more and more different type of comics and the next thing you know that'd be like all your like stories will kind of come from that but um 
But no, this Resident Evil comic, if you can find it, it's fucking rare as fuck because it's one of those ones like they printed in like 1998 only and that was it. Like mm-hmm. th- these are the examples of those like, you know, when there's comics that are actually worth money. Uh, these are the few examples of those kind. <laughs> yeah. Why well, actually when um, I looked at the website you got this from. And I was like, I'll be honest. I was like, am I on a porn site? It feels like I'm on a porn site. No, it's just a comic book site. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was going to get spammed just from looking at this fucking thing. Yeah, but like, you know, if you want the real book itself, it is kind of like a little bit pricey, which is kind of a bummer. These are the downfall. They make these really cool video games where it's kind of like they do the same thing with movies and so on. But these comics sort of get kind of lost in time. And there's no real easy way to go check them out. So it's kind of one of those ones where it's like, what 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 do you do? You know what I mean? Like, I really mm-hmm. wish these are those kind of things that people would kind of re-release again. And I know it's always the stupid rights issues and so on like that because some fuck's not getting paid. But fuck that guy. I don't care who the fuck you are. You know what I mean? There's sometimes at the end of the day, it's like one of those ones like, just put it out there so that it actually exists so people can read it. You know what I mean? And enjoy it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's just it's such a bummer that so many of these things kind of get lost in time. But, um, but, yeah, if you could find yourself a copy of Resident Evil 1 through 5, it, it, it is pretty special. Like I will say, as far as any Resident Evil fan, any kind of video game fan and so on, takes, takes you back. Not saying they're the greatest comics ever made, but they are just they're, – they're neat. That, that's a good word for it. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, beyond all that good stuff, you know, it's time for some Resident Evil 3 remake. What the hey? But uh, till then, go to oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, comic books like Pizza Boys, that's Pizza Boys of a Z, animations, and all that fun stuff. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. See you some other time. Later, folks. Thanks again for listening to the Old Man Orange Podcast. Sure, check out oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, cartoons, music, animation, and a whole lot more. We also have the Old Man Orange blog going with all kinds of fun stuff. If you easily want to support the show, use one of our Amazon links either on the website or in the description of the podcast below. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show either on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Newgrounds, or anywhere else that you seem to get this podcast from. Grab the sitcom-styled comic book Pizza Boys on either Comic Central, Comixology, or Amazon. Want more podcasts? Check out the Indie Comics Club over at Comic Central. I also got a workout website called Thor's Hidden Gym. Filled with fitness tips and tricks, videos, and a whole lot more fun stuff in the calisthenics world. Talk to us on Twitter, at Spencer S. Holmes and Dunnigan Ryan. Like our Facebook pages of Old Man Orange Productions and Pizza Boys Comic. Thanks again, and we're out of here.